Welcome to the Wealthy Podcast, where we interview experts in their field and clients to share their personal experiences. We do this so you can learn the best ways, the tools and techniques to get into the property market sooner and start living a wealthy life. Jump into this week's episode and don't forget to subscribe and give us a like. Welcome everybody to another Wealthy Podcast. Today, we are talking to Zach Zawalski. Zach is a friend and a client of mine. We've been working together for a little while. I wanted him to join us on this show um, for client conversations because I feel like many of you would share some of his experiences. Um, We bought his first property together and um, he put me through quite a unique experience you know, investment experience. So Zach, thank you very much for joining us today. You're looking very professional. I normally don't see you wearing a shirt. So mate, thank you. Hey, you know, sometimes special occasions, it's worth just putting a, a bit of effort in. Well, thank you. I know that you're a busy man. Um, look, just to kick this all off, um, you and I, we met through mutual friends and, um, you know, when you came to the party, you basically said, listen, I just want to buy an investment property. I don't know much about it. Let's just start from scratch. Um, But you did have your own um, financial planner. And it seems like you do have a a bit of a network of people around you. Um, How did this whole investment property thing come to the table? And is this the sort of the way that you do business? Like, do you get, you know, people around you? Yeah, so I guess first answer is it is. Uh, probably comes from me naturally not being as, I guess, financially responsible uh, as some people. You know, I'm not the person that sits there that tracks every dollar they spend on a spreadsheet, uh, that codes everything. And I basically just looked at that and went, hey, this isn't, you know, just really natural to you. So the best thing to do is actually get people around you that know what they're doing and that can advise on that. Um, and that way, you know, I feel like I've I've got the right advice going through and, uh, you know, I'm not being completely irresponsible and stupid with my money. So it's kind of saving myself from myself in a, in a little degree. And is it difficult for you to, to do that, to go um, and extend that trust to someone random? Because, I mean, you didn't know me from a bar of soap. Um, what was it that allowed you to, you know, get, build this network of advisors around you? Because it's very mature to say, hey, I don't know this and I'm going to go trust someone, but then also to take that leap of faith in qualifying this advisor network around you. So there's kind of two stages to it um, that, that I think just really happened by accident. And I'm sort of reflecting back on it now as to how it sort of occurred. So the first was doing it through personal, uh, I guess, referrals, relationships. So asking just really my friends. And the first person that I really had in um, that network was was Shane, who I'll give a, a shameless plug to who is my financial advisor. Um, and, uh, and I guess my accountant as well. Um, and effectively, that was a personal referral that I got someone that worked for them that I personally knew and trusted. So that was at least 
least, I guess, enough to be able to start having those conversations. And then you're able to form an opinion, I think, fairly quickly about someone if they, you know, are acting with a bit of integrity. You can kind of feel if they're being very pushy or there's a, an agenda behind what they're doing. Um, and then the second that, you know, you, I guess, came in on the back end of was really um, putting two separate people in the room and asking them to come up with a, an outcome. And that way, you know, Shane was basically just working personally with me. So when, you know, I got all the figures and the, uh, I guess, assessments that we were doing on the property from you, having Shane double check that and him going, yep, this looks good. And I think this is a reasonable forecast was a really good way for me to be able to go, well, one, I know that, you know, I'm not just missing something personally. And two, the, the thing that was probably most important is everything first go was, you know, really what you said it was according to him. So then I was able to go, right, I can I can trust Tom because he's, you know, doing what he's saying straight away. That's cool. So I like the fact that, you know, you and I were going on this investment journey together. We we're talking about a number of different markets. We identified what the investments could be. And what you're specifically talking to is the cash flow, the growth, the expenses, the, 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 the nuts and bolts and the numbers. And you, you've taken this data and then given it to a financial planner and say, qualify all this thing, all of this data. And do you think it's accurate? And you've basically then built up an opinion on me because you've had someone else double check it, like a third party that has nothing to do with what we're doing. Yeah, exactly. And the thing that we were doing alongside that is we weren't just looking at that property. You know, we kind of had a few properties that we were considering. Shane and I were looking at different investments as well. So this wasn't, hey, we're going out to, to, to buy property. It was, hey, we're going out to invest a certain amount of, of money for a longer period of time. And basically, when we did the nuts and bolts of it, we came back and said that the property was the right one um, based on just all the projections and the work that we'd done. So in that you're, you're, you're pretty an analytical guy and you're very thorough in your approach and very diligent with how you sort of assess the information that comes to you. What were some of the surprising things that you learned along the way when we were buying this property? And what were some of the things that kind of bubbled to the surface that was like interesting or, or new news or, you know, um, something that really captured your attention yeah so part of it's probably a boring answer in a way because it was just the first time i've done this so going through everything from understanding how contracts work how land is titled how you know just structures of loans all of that was very very new so that was i guess a degree of, of interest in that uh, as we went through the process because obviously we brought off the plan so it was you know quite a while before the um, property was actually there it was probably a 12 month period from the time we put the first deposit down to actually getting the keys so how that unfolded was was quite an interesting piece in itself but that was probably just because it was the the first time um the i think main interesting part that i found though throughout it was actually the evaluation of of different properties markets and everything like that um you know understanding demographic trends around you know what 
we're going to see potentially in, in growth in certain areas versus others. That was probably the really interesting part because it started to sort of feed into, you know, just a really interesting difference between different cities, different states, even, you know, areas in and around Melbourne where I live. So that was probably the part that I found the most interesting because I do love sort of demographics, culture, behaviour, things like that. So that kind of fed into that interest a little bit personally. I think that that's a really important part of the investment piece that probably goes under, probably a little underrated, following people's movements, how people change over time. As you said, culture, how, how does a culture shift within a specific suburb? And for your particular investment, it was great because we're looking at an area that's gendrifying over time. It's going from a bunch of old I say wogs because I'm Italian, but a bunch of old Italians and Greeks and stuff that have got their veggie patches in their big yards to, you know, more white collared workers. You know, you're starting to see graffiti, cool coffee shops and things opening up, train lines going into the city. So it was a gentrifying um, suburb. So what were some of the things when we were going through the buying process that, um, sort of scared you the most? Or what were some of the parts of the process that, you know, you kind of started getting second guesses or a bit fearful or, you know, was there a tipping point where it was, I may not do this or, you know, what kind of got you over the line as well? So we've already touched on a little bit, a lot of it because I was looking at, hey, investment here, it's a long-term thing fair chunk of money that you know was going through it's sort of the savings that i had at that point so definitely it was that financial projections because like let's be honest we can be as accurate we can look at as much data as we want when we're trying to project things 5 10 15 years out it is a it is a guess to a degree and i think that's one of the things that i, I probably just came to terms with is we got all as much information as we can it's still not 100% it, it can't be that's just the way of anything that we're forecasting or trying to look at with that level, I guess, of, of lead time. Uh, so that was definitely one of them. Um, but that was really, I guess, why I, I connected you and Shane around that, because that was really the thing that gave me the peace of mind that, hey, we've got as much information as we can, as much certainty as we can. So this is a reasonable and a smart decision. Um, the other ones were probably a little bit of uncertainty around it being you know, an off the plan property. So you can't set foot in it. You can't see it. You know, there was plenty of concepts and it was actually a really cool experience that the developers uh, took us through, um, basically going into other developments that they had and then having a really personalized experience going, hey, this is what's going to be the same as yours. This is what's going to be different. So they did a really good job of that, I thought. But the truth of the matter is you still can't physically set foot in somewhere and actually look and touch and feel it. And so there's a degree of, um, I guess, uncertainty with that. That was probably the, the other major one. So the, there was a lot of fear for you around, hey, the projections, it's who the hell knows what's going to happen in 10 years. Um, but you got over that because you thought, we've done all the research. It's been double and triple checked. This is as good as it's going to get. And now comes the leap of faith. And then the other thing for you was buying off the plan. The fact that you're literally looking at plans, CGIs, um, and you really don't know what you're going to get, but what gave you confidence was seeing the body of work that the developer had done in the past and having that experience kind of gave you a bit of, 
you know, assurance that things are going to be okay. Yeah. The other thing that was probably actually really good with that was working directly with you because the truth is, is I'm one individual that may buy maybe a couple, but probably can safely assume one property for 30 years unless I sort of change. So when I looked at that and went, well, something goes wrong, you know, how do you kind of rectify things and how do you do that? Working with Wealthy, you guys are obviously working with a lot of customers buying a lot of properties. So if I turned around and went, hey, Dom, I've got this pretty bad problem. Uh, Can you help me fix it? You've got a lot more pull in that conversation with a developer or a builder than I would as an individual that probably isn't going to see them, if ever again, for at least 30 years. So I think that was something that for me was... uh, was really good but also i think it's probably just being a little bit realistic about things the flip side of that is a physical property that i'm buying that's a bit older that i can go and step foot in and there might be rotten floorboards underneath it there might be uh, you know things that i don't know about the structure because it's old or it's got some problems and the truth is that there's no way to be 100 percent certain about this stuff so i think it's just you know being diligent with it but also having a little bit of faith in um the fact that you can't be 100 that's a really good way of thinking about things because we've bought hundreds thousands of properties and you know i've bought a lot of brand new property but i've also bought some you know older property and experts get it wrong sometimes you can go into an old property and you think that hey it's been outstanding for 20 years it should be fine but 21st year everything falls apart i bought an old house once And we went into the bathroom and the floors were fine, but we knew that it needed a lot of work. But once we lifted up the tiles, it was all completely rotten wood and it literally, the whole floor fell out. So what was supposed to be a simple bathroom renovation, just remove the tiles, retile it, you know, waterproof, blah, blah, blah. It was, it went into construction mode. So it really goes to show that whether you're buying old or new or whatever, there is an element of risk and there is a, there is the fear of the unknown, you know, new, new has its risk because people are a bit scared of developers and builders and some people are dodgy, but a lot of the industry is good, but then also old, it's like, well, it's there. I can see, I can touch, I can feel it, but God knows what's happening inside the roof. You can get a building inspection report and it comes out fine, but then a weather system comes through and it tears all your bloody tiles off. Yeah, and even like I got a really thorough handover report to look at defects. I've still been found finding defects up until, you know, even a couple of weeks ago because these things aren't static. They, they you know, it's a building, right? It's, um, and I think there's probably just a mindset to be okay with that and try and take that as part of the process rather than going, oh, someone's to blame if, if something goes horrifically wrong. Obviously there's instances where that is the case, but I think there's probably a lot, where people that are on the buyer's side would would jump to someone's been malicious, someone's tried to cut corners, done something like that, when perhaps that hasn't been the case. It's just been the nature of things can go wrong. Um, So I think that's probably just from my own, you know, I guess enjoying the process and it being positive and everything and not that stressful. I think that's been a pretty important mindset to have. And I would say that if if you're in that mindset, you're probably going to enjoy all of it a, a lot more. That's a really important point that you bring up as well, because you're right, things will go wrong. Things, there's going to be problems. You're buying a physical thing. It, nothing comes out of the box perfect. And 
if you're going to stress about all the little things, you're not going to enjoy the process. And I think part of it is understanding there's going to be issues, but then how you manage it, will the people that are responsible, will they be accountable? Will they communicate well? Are they going to do it? Is there going to be follow through? That's all the vital stuff, I think. Yeah, and the the groups that we've had around the developers and the builders have kind of shown that. And there's been times where they've actually had pretty poor communication. And I sort of gone, hey, guys, the communication's pretty bad. And they've fixed it. Um, there's been times where they've been excellent, you know, urgent things that they've been quite responsive on. And then even some that are, you know, past our defects period where I send it to them and they've gone, hey, that's not right. Uh, we'll, we'll still get someone out to fix it, which has been pretty positive. So, yeah, again, it's not perfect. Um, yeah, we've, we've got a weird issue with some gates in the communal areas where they, the handles just keep breaking because obviously they're a terrible design. Um, but it, it sort of all comes out in the wash. I think it's, um, yeah, at least in this experience, it's been a few positives, few negatives but if you kind of go in and you're you're pretty reasonable with what you're asking and and you know not just angry i found that people are pretty responsive to it yeah awesome so in this look, i don't want to take too much more of your time because i know that you're a busy fellow um what part of this process and it's kind of asking the same question again but what what would what kind of advice would you hand over to any future you know, future new investors or people coming in that are sitting on the fence or thinking about investing and they're not really sure how to approach it. What has been the one or two things that you think you did really well that they could learn from or what's been a shift in your mind that they could then probably adopt? Yeah, so there's probably two. The first one would be have a bit of a plan with it, but be flexible as well. Um the example that I went through is I intended to buy it as an investment and that was it as sort of my first property. A whole lot of situations um, that were kind of funny and a bit of a domino um, effect meant that I ended up living in the place. And I've now actually found a huge amount of enjoyment out of setting up and, and making a bit of a home. And it's now playing a role that's far different to what I actually thought when I bought it. Uh, it's given me a base that I can actually travel more from and have less stress around that. And you think of the the logic around, I'm going committing to this big um, you know, financial commitment. So therefore I'm not going to be able to be as flexible and travel as much and everything. That was actually the the probably the conflict that was in my mind and it's actually helped that. Um, second one though, and I think this is huge. I think everyone when I'm looking at my friends that are going through this process and how I've gone through it is probably trying to get too much out of their first property. They're sort of wanting something that's going to give them an investment that will grow over time. That's in an area that they really want to live for their lifestyle and that they can potentially have a family with. And the truth is, is unless you've got millions of dollars in the bank, it's, you can't quite get all of that. So I would say I found trying to be a little bit more realistic, but spend a little bit less that's helped me massively because, you know, from a lifestyle point of view, I'm a little bit further out than I perhaps thought. Um, I've actually found ways around that. And if I ever need to get an Uber, uh, just because I can't be bothered with whatever else, I can. Because I haven't, you know, gone, I guess, and leveraged myself up to the point where I've got literally no money, you know, week to week. Um, that, 
that's been quite big. So I reckon that's probably an important one is don't think that any property is going to be a silver bullet. It's, um, yeah, it, it can't fill all those needs that obviously we would all love, but yeah, just can't quite get them the whole time. That's a re- another great two pieces of advice. I love the flexibility, like going in, buying this investment, but doing it with an open mind, knowing that things can change along the road and kind of going with the flow and allowing yourself that freedom. But then also that last one's really, really important because there's so much emotional energy that goes into buying this first property. You're thinking about it for years and years, friends, family, mom, everyone's got an idea about what it should be, could be. It's, um, <clears throat> it's not going to tick all your boxes. It's a couple of your boxes. If it gets the majority, then you're good. And look, this is something that probably can't answer now. It's just hope. I would I would think that doing that and having a few boxes ticks means that next time I can probably tick a few more. That's right. Next- That's exactly right. And, and it's, think- it's a stepping stone. That's the critical part. I, 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 I spoke over you. Sorry, what were you saying? Exactly that. Yeah, I think it's probably just that it is a little bit iterative and can be a stepping stone and that's okay. Um, and to to be more open and realistic about that, I think would help. Um, yeah, the, the only thing I guess to, to counter that as, and you've already mentioned it, is it, it is emotional. So it's hard to do that. Um, but if you can, I think then it probably means that you're more satisfied, there's less stress, and it's probably in the long run going to be you know closer to that goal anyway. And I like that other part because I think very similarly to you, the way that I like to invest with people is not to overexpend myself. I don't like to go and, you know, the old saying, you know, bite off more than you can chew and chew like fuck. Because when it comes to money, it becomes, it can be very stressful. It can cause a lot of pain and it causes, you know, not sleep properly. And you don't need that kind of financial stress in your life. So if you're buying within your means, then everything else is okay. But if you overextend yourself, then everything else can be terrible. You know, it's funny, like we've got a real obsession with property in Australia, you know, the great Australian dream, you own your own your own home, that's how you retire. There is this narrative that our culture teaches us about that. And, um, you know, it is a positive thing in a way in some regards, but it also, you know, if, if you are so stressed with all of that, the whole point of all of that is so that you don't have to worry, that you don't have those stresses. And if you kind of artificially create that, you know, in the process that's supposed to relieve that, it just doesn't seem very clever to me. Yeah, the the buying the assets is supposed to relieve all the stress and create this sense of freedom, not chain yourself to stress and anxiety to get this thing. It doesn't make sense. Well, Zach, thank you very much. I've got to say, you are photogenic. You look better on camera than you do in real life. Um, That's rude. I've heard the opposite. Thanks, mate. <laughs> um, it's really good having you on the show today, having a chat. I really appreciate that you just very candid and, and everything was unfiltered. So thank you. Um, any parting words before, before we ca- um, tick off? No, I'd probably say I, I didn't realize this at the time, but, you know, in talking to you, having that financial advisor and you and 
in some ways working together, in some ways pitting you guys against each other and, and that bit of a network, it is apparently quite a unique thing. There's not a lot of people that have, have done that from a lot of people that I've spoken to since doing this and kind of just going through this kind of discussion. So if any of, you know, I guess the people that you're working with or that are listening to this do want more details on that, happy to, uh, you know, provide any follow-ups or anything with that as well. Because, um, yeah, if it does help and it's a good way to do it that other people don't know about, then it's it's worth sharing. Awesome. Thank you very much, mate. Um, for all of you out there, I hope you've got lots of um, valuable points out of this and something helped and stuck with you. Um, let us know if you've got any questions or if one part or another resonated. But otherwise, happy investing. We'll catch you all later.